Hello and welcome to 50 States of Terror. My name is Kaylee Diaz. I am the co-host and co-creator of 50 States of Terror. And I would like to introduce my husband, who is my co-host. Hi. Hey, honey. How are you? How's the kitchen? <laughs> uh, the kitchen's great. Uh, yeah. I'm re reporting live uh, 50 feet away from you. <laughs> <laughs> There's a toddler sleeping in between us, so we won't be too crazy loud. But right. it's nice to see you again. We're also going to be joined tonight by my lovely sister, Lou. Oh, and Lou, you're muted. <laughs> Did we lose your audio there? You think so? Anthony, oh, she, can you hear her? I can hear. I cannot hear. Technical difficulties out the gate. It's okay. She'll get it figured out. <laughs> All right. Well, in the meantime, I'll go ahead and I'll give you a quick rundown of what we're going to be doing today. Today, we are taking a drive down Lover's Lane. So if you find yourself alone this Valentine's Day, buckle up because we are your Valentines now with no... Oh, did I hear her? I did. Sorry. I pressed <laughs> the button that said mute. And what would you know? It muted me. It's so <laughs> funny the way that that works out. <laughs> Indeed. But I'm so excited to be here. And thank you guys for having me. We're you got to love live, to man. You. Live stuff is it's the best. It's That's only just... when I'm live that I freeze so hard. But I don't have a toddler <laughs> next to me, so it's easier to recover. <laughs> it makes that bounce back pretty good, huh? Just a little bit. All right. Well, we each have our own scary, spooky story to bring to you for Valentine's Day. So if you're alone this Valentine's Day, we can be your Valentine. You can be our third wheel. There's no strings attached. And uh, I can't promise we're going to call you tomorrow. But, you know, there's always a possibility. So Use we're the three-day three rule. The three-day <laughs> the three rule. The three now, rule. on our regular episodes of 50 State of Terror, what we do is we present to you our cryptid of the state that we're discussing. This time, we're a little widespread. We are all over the place. Now, the things that these different entities have in common is that they're all attacking lovers or groups of people. They're usually in the woods or out on romantic drive areas like Makeout Point. Hence why we're calling this Lover's Lane. So these are the kind of things that are going to surprise you quite literally with your pants down sometimes. Not even a groan. Okay. So. I don't want to ruin anything. I'm so excited. I mean, you know, you're my sister. We can, we can, we can razz each other a little bit. Now, on our regular episodes, after we present our cases or our cryptids, we also like to rate them on a scale of one to five golden Nessies. And that's how much we enjoyed them or how awesome we think they are. So I think we should just go ahead and jump in. It's our first live. We got our technical difficulties out of the way. And I think we're ready to go. So Anthony, would you like to present your spooky thing first? I would love to. Fantastic. Again, my name is Anthony Diaz. I am the other half of Kaylee, the not so smart and not so uh pretty uh half oh of you're so sweet <clears throat> you're full of shit but you're sweet <laughs> all right so my story and my cryptid is the orange eyes now let's set the scene it it is mansfield ohio now mansfield ohio is uh, located in what is called the rust belt now the rust belt is this industrial boom that happened in the 50s and the slow decline in the 80s and with decline of industrial uh, portions of major cities you have 
broken down, dilapidated cities, towns, warehouses, hence the Rust Belt. Now, in this story, we have a lover's lane. Now, the location of the lover's lane wasn't really specified in, in some of the stories that, that uh, I have researched from. But in my investigation, quote-unquote investigation, um, lover's lane is actually, uh, it hits in between Charles Mills Lake, which is about 16 minutes east of Mansfield, Ohio. And the road is actually Mansfield Rooster Road, and it cuts right into the the park now imagine this it is late uh you have a couple of teenagers on march 28 1959 and i imagine it is a 1957 two-tone uh, two door. It's a nice night. The stars are out. The dude is dressed in this leather jacket, white t-shirt, and greased back hair, blue jeans. The the young lady is dressed in maybe this uh, this nice looking dress, and they park on Mansfield Rooster Road in the middle of Charles Mills Lake. She doesn't sound like a lady to me already. Well, well I'll I was get to the descriptiveness. I was like, right? the lake. I will I will get to why this is interesting on how this is presented. So the they're in the car, things are about to get hot and heavy. It's 1950s. You know, so they, they were holding on... hands. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. Uh, oh Tommy, we're gonna go all the way. They're 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 about to they're about to reach in for the kiss, and he's calling her cat, and he's and she's calling him daddyo, and she and, daddyo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to I want to say like maybe like maybe uh, I don't know um, uh, the penguins or uh, the Delphonics are on the radio. And they see outside the window two glowing orange eyes. Now, the eyes to them probably would be uh, maybe uh, a humanoid distance apart. But the way it's described is when the beast exited the the forest area of this of this location, it rose to eleven feet tall. And they said that it weighed about a thousand pounds. How they determined it weighed about a thousand pounds is because they could feel the footsteps of it approaching. Hmm. Now, of course, this probably freaked the two teenagers out. They split. They they left. Now, eyes didn't do it. It was everything else. I was just picturing the T Rex from like Jurassic Park. The and the water ripples and, and the, the water is coming up out of the cup. <laughs> I mean, if so, Jeff Goldblum was there, I probably wouldn't have run. Like, let's just be honest. <laughs> so they haven't had a sighting since since then, in March twentieth, nineteen fifty nine, until uh, nineteen sixty eight, when they said the group of preteens. Uh, found it and chased it with a baseball bat, which I found, which I, which is, I don't believe at all, because you know a group of ch- uh, preteens chasing an eleven foot tall monster 
that weighs a thousand pounds, please come on. Like, as, as I, parents, I would have absolutely have done that. Okay, Lauren probably would have. She would have been wearing. I know like, I would have died. Like that's fine. I'm just saying. Coordinating outfit. She would have been dressed all leather for it. All I know, leather right? Leather pants. There you go. And then the last time it was it was uh, supposed to be uh, found is in 1991 by two fishermen on uh, Charles Mills Lake. Now. What they are describing is is it's a it's a, a cousin of the Sasquatch, a cousin of of the Yeti. So, and we all know that Sasquatch is like one of the top top five cryptids in in U.S. You know, between uh, Chupacabra, Mothman, um, and uh, Sasquatch. There's so many different variations of this thing coming from Florida the mid midwest uh, and this is just another version of what they probably saw as, as sasquatch now uh the believability of it in 1973 they were saying we believe in this thing and we think it's an alien because they because they saw ufo sightings in mansfield uh ohio in mm. 1973 and they 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 Determined that it's a link between the orange eyes Sasquatch and UFOs, so they think that it's it's a, a being from outer space that lives in the lake and, and it comes every so many years to present itself. Oh my and gosh, then, is this the thirty-year like rule? Makes more sense to me. I'm it, like absolutely yes, I'm living. This is this is one of those like every fifteen years uh, things and. We- uh, we actually, we recently, uh, we had a detour episode. So we have our regular 50 States of Terror episodes. And in between them in the interim, we are doing what's called the detour episodes. And I let Anthony go off on Sasquatch. Like, I don't know if you got to check that one out, Lauren, but like it came up in, a, in an episode and we're like, we're not doing, we're not doing Bigfoot right now. We're not doing Bigfoot. Well, now so I, know I ended up I'm looking because I've been waiting. I've been like, I mean, girl, check out that detour episode because we talk about the interdimensional pockets that Bigfoot is apparently supposed to be able to be in. Oh yeah. And Anthony explained to me, and I, was it the 30 year rule? Is that what you said it was? Yeah. The, the, the 30, the 30 year rule, it, it follows, uh, it, it only comes out every 30 years to, to, show itself and, and why then, why is it every 30 years because this is my favorite part of that whole episode what why is it 30 years uh oh man i forgot i forgot what i explained for 30 year rule <laughs> okay so the 30 year rule is when it's aliens or something like that they have to have enough time to travel back to their oh home that's planet, right that's right that's right that's replenish right, yeah. and you know get everything they need and then make it back to earth so that's why the sightings only happen okay. the, every that you know, extended period of time in between is because they're aliens and they have to go to home base, not right. second base, like Julie said. And but like out in space, time travel, mm-hmm. everything works a little bit differently. So it is what years. it is. Right. Yeah, because it also goes into in, into living in the fourth dimension where like time time dilates and it slows down or something, so it can it can move in between dimensions. So time doesn't really uh, function the same way as it does here. So yes. Sasquatch can go inside into, into its realm and wait 30 years, which is only maybe like five minutes for him and come and come back out. <laughs> I never thought oh my gosh, it's Sasquatch like, living in like alien timelines. So I'm writing like living like, at the DMV. It takes forever, but you're only there for a little while. I mean, I mean, know. yeah, <laughs> when you say it like that, that makes like you, sense. <laughs> you would go, you go into this spiral Reddit, you know, 
rabbit hole and it's it's awesome <laughs> it, is, it is so crazy there's a bunch of bigfoot <laughs> a little bit of porn some really misplaced people who miss their kids like yep yep Every time I go on Reddit, I'm like, y'all are She's like describing her own like front page of the internet. I just recently discovered Reddit. She's like, I like smashing the patriarchy over here. It's the only page I follow where I'm like, well, this is great. But the the main the main thing from the story is that it was was it was told uh, around the time of like this uh, uh, this time in Ohio where it was the industrial plants were rising the the, the the times of Christianity and all that stuff was the Bible the Bible thumpers were were up, so what perfect way to tell a hey, you better mind your p's and q's and and the, or the orange eye is going to get you, and you don't go out with with uh, you know Johnny Johnny leather jacket you know and <clears throat> or well, there was actually a large number of alien <laughs> UFO reportings that came back from that time 1970s 1980s that were central in Ohio so that makes perfect sense that it would be like an alien theory absolutely that really common in that area you know why yeah. what else is going on in Ohio right. absolutely nothing <laughs> that's why they have to the Cubs the Bears okay, girl. in Ohio the yeah, so, Bears. so we think that the story was was uh not I don't want to say fabricated but like it's told always around uh don't don't go with the dude at at the you know, lover's lane because orange eyes is going to get you. It's just a scare tactic, you know. And me being a believer of of Sasquatch, you know, I I I really do think that this is just one of those things where people just made up and they just uh, fabricated it, it into being this otherworldly orange eyed creature instead of it being the the big eight man eight man thing targeting teenagers who are trying to get to first base, you know, on lover's lane, you know. Uh, so and the more all the stories that I, I read about Orange Eyes uh, and and Lovers Lane was was uh, strictly targeted to teenagers and people who are trying to you know get a little frisky on their first date, you know. Uh, and I think this is one of those those uh, like well, uh, we we can't go here because if we do, Orange Eyes is going to get us you know, type uh, type thing. So. But I do like I do love the story though. It's fantastic. I do like it a lot. Well, I'm I I kind of went down a little bit of a rabbit hole because uh, I kind of do that just because of who I am as a person. And I started reading about like the different reflective eyes. Like, is it that the eyes were supposed to be emitting a light or were they reflecting light? And I started looking into like the way that your retina reacts and why certain animals reflect certain colors. And mm-hmm. so, like, I guess before we go too far, I just want to tell you about all the cool things I learned today, like that the reason people get red eye in pictures is actually because it reflects off the very, very back. So what you're actually seeing is the, like the blood vessels and everything towards the back, okay. which is when you take a picture, if you've got that red eye remover, it goes a little flash and then a flash again because it makes your pupils get real small. So that second flash, which is actually the picture, isn't going to catch as much as the red in your photos. But animals that can see at night tend to have two lenses that the light passes through or that the light passes through at two different places, causing the reflection. So if the first part of your eye is glass, the second one would be more like a mirror. And the way that it reflects, the color it reflects, you can't just see orange and be like, oh, that's that's a cat. It's going to be, is it moonlight or is it LED? Is it this? Is it that? 
what is the animal's actual eye color? And all of those things can create a specific color reaction. So there are some general orange eyes could was located, could have changed Mm -hmm. how he was reflecting. Yeah. And a reflection to a generic pattern that mm -hmm. was recognizable as that. Yeah. But I just think it was a creepy old redneck with those like orange tinted glasses that was trying to be sneaky so nobody could identify him. Rednecks have two sets of eye lenses? No, the sunglasses, the little like the Oakleys with the orange. I guess you guys don't have as many Oakley wearing guys in your neck of the woods as we do here on the coast. (laughs) Um, Those orange glasses. He was just trying to peep on some like kids making out. He was trying to see something and was trying to conceal his identity. (laughs) You know, I mean, Texas is we're doing the most down here. Okay. I mean, yeah, we can see that. <laughs> so, Anthony, uh, what would you rate your orange eyes? Four out of five, easy. Only because it, yeah, it, it gets into that Sasquatch story that I absolutely absolutely love. <clears throat> I I really I guess I could have I could have guessed that coming for me. It was going to be a higher one. Uh, Lauren, what do you think about orange eyes? I am also going to give a four. Purely because the second it crossed into alien territory, I was like, absolutely, I live uh, living for it. Uh, there's so, it's like, it's, it's, and then when you got to go into the colored lenses, everything, there's like a lot of viable things that could have been mm-hmm. easily applicable for the situation. Mm-hmm. But also, you're coming from an area that is a lot of history as far as hauntings, UFOs, weird sightings. Um, it's true. Like, 100%. Exactly. You're in a solid area for it. So I'm like, you know. Yep. As far as, like, if I was going to go out and listen to a story and be like, does this have viability? Is this something I would be interested in, like, learning more about or pursuing articles or stories on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's up there. And I listen to a lot of random shit, so I feel like that's a good one. <laughs> um, I give it a two. Um, oh, boo. I'm sorry. There is a reason boo. why I picked the one I picked. It was I gave Anthony the option. I'm like, do you want this one or do you want this one? And, you know, like when you flip a coin and you instantly know what you want the answer to be? I was like, I don't want that one. I don't want that one. I hope he picks that one because I don't think I want to do that one. It's just kind of um. So it's like it's okay. Married forever and no exactly. <laughs> We've <laughs> yeah, it's it's almost been a decade for us. Uh, so we we know what the other one likes at this point. Mm-hmm. Happy Valentine's Day, babe. Happy Valentine's. Um, <laughs> you know. I just well, that third wheel. <laughs> yeah, the sister third wheel it's okay i presented your husband to you so you're welcome too he's in the next room happy i'm not bothering him <laughs> we'll, t- we'll, tell- we'll tell that story on the next stream yeah, next all time. right so let's go uh for number mm-hmm. two did you want to go ahead and do yours or do you want me to present mine you know what actually i was gonna say that i should do mine on the heels of anthony's because it okay. kind of takes the same direction okay so um, a lot of the things that you said were relative cough it up girl yep only because i'm not excited so (laughs) everyone knows this story i love a scary story in case you didn't know i'm really really into urban legends and spooky stories that's what i do at camp so this story in particular i think everyone has heard there's a girl there's a guy it's a steamy late night date and they pull into a lover's lane he's getting a little frisky she's kind of not feeling it she's ready to go um she's kind of creeped out it's a little dark outside it's a little isolated she just begs and begs to leave she hears this weird scratching noise i wish i could make a scratching noise right now but i don't have anything to scratch on so she hears the words yeah i hear you guys i'm doing asmr (laughs) over here so she hears like a weird scratching and she wants to get out she wants to get out 
Now, the things that stay consistent in these stories is the fact that they were in a lover's lane, that they were isolated, that she heard a noise, and then they hear a radio broadcast. And in this radio radio, bo- radio broadcast, wherever they are, they hear about an escaped convict from either a local prison or a local insane asylum. And that prisoner or that person is on the loose and they are highly dangerous and people are warned to be careful everywhere. So the girlfriend hears this broadcast. She's really not vibing it. She wants to go home. Guy is super, super angry. Well, he's not happy at least. And they take off and he drives her home and she gets out of the car and she gets ready to walk inside and she starts screaming hysterically. And attached to the handle of the car is a hook from the escaped convict that they had described in the radio broadcast hanging off of the side of the car. And only because she was so moral and so just and so right to go straight home did they survive this escaped convict. Now there's another variation of this tale, which a lot of people get confused with the same story, which is the boyfriend's death, where the girlfriend gets a little panicked. She hears a noise. The boyfriend goes outside to investigate and she waits in the car and she waits in the car and she waits in the car and she hears just a weird noise scratching on the roof of the car. Just weird. All night waiting for him to come back and she doesn't. And then in the morning, the police show up and they pull her out of the car and they tell her, don't look back. Don't look back. But she does. And when she looks back, she sees the dead body of her boyfriend hanging over the car and his fingernails are scratching on the roof of the car where she was waiting for him all night long. Very common, common horror story. Very common urban legend. But the reality of it is this is actually based on a true story. A lot of serial killers actually do target lovers' lanes because lovers, of course, pick these areas because they're isolated and they're far apart. They can't be found easily. They get a little bit of privacy. But it also makes it incredibly dangerous and incredibly viable for serial killers. So there's multiple serial killers from the Zodiac, the the Texarkana Moonlight Murders. There's Son of Sam. There are so many serial killers who actually target lovers' lanes because they make themselves easy victims. And it's almost a misogynistic type of story because the idea is that if you remain chaste and you fight these impulses and you go home, instead of being subject to this gruesome murder, now you've survived the night to live another day. But it's only on the woman to make that choice. The man always approaches. Why is it always our fault? It's always our fault. We're just so sexy. You know, goodness gracious. (laughs) I do remember hearing the story. Um, we actually had someone in the comments, uh, Patricia, she said, oh, and Julie, that they both heard this story since they were children. I feel like this is one of those first stories. Oh, yeah. Who's the guy who wrote Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark? Oh, my gosh. I have all the books on my bookshelf. Why can't I, I know. Everyone, does. everyone knows it, but I can't remember. Oh, Arlen Stein? No, it's no, not R.L. Stein. I'm Googling it right now because I'm going to be mad at myself. I was like, it's not Shell Silverstein, but it's along the same lines. It uh, is. Either way, 
he had a tale in one of those original first stories that very closely, I think it actually was this story. It's one of the most common urban legends ever. And it actually originated back to the late 1950s and then continued into the 60s on the heels of the Texarkana Moonlight murder stories because there was a serial killer who was actually targeting lover's lanes at the time. And he had a very similar modus operandi. You wouldn't expect it to because eventually it did escalate to the point where he was just murdering people staging them and leaving their bodies mm-hmm. but inevitably like eventually in the beginning not eventually in the beginning in the beginning of this story he actually did his first he targeted 10 people eight of them lived the first two initially had he knocked the man out with the butt of his gun and told the girl the woman he was with i think her name was mary to run And so she did, and she didn't hear any signs of pursuit, anything. And she came across a car on the side of the road a couple miles down as she was like fleeing from the side of this man who was trying to kill her and her Mm -hmm. boyfriend. And that car was actually the perpetrator's car. And she heard his footsteps coming up behind her and she screamed, she cried, she freaked out. And he asked her why he literally asked her, why are you running? And she said, because you told me to. That's what he told her to do. But there was part of him that was developing his serial killer profile at that point in time. He hadn't perfected his his ritual. This was his first striking out to really understand what he was going to do as a killer later. So he told her to run and that thrill excited him. And he actually ended up assaulting her sexually. And then she lived. And so did the man at the time. Enough at least to give testimony of what had happened. Real quick, I'm not going to interrupt you too much. Uh, Julie popped up. It was uh, the author. Yes. Alvin Schwartz was the author of that one. So oh. I just want to make sure. So thank you, Julie. And then Maria also uh, put in that these are tales. Like, yes, we definitely hear these these stories. I wouldn't, growing up. Wives, I wouldn't say an old wives tale because it's okay. so much later. I feel mm-hmm. like old wives tales are things that kind of go back to folklore stories. Like dropping the spoon. And mm-hmm. you know, like oh, like companies coming or right. things like that. Your shoulders, right, like right. That. But well, I this don't... is a this is a very common uh, uh, trend in horror films too. Mm-hmm. Like, like how do you get that that easy scare? Well, you have two people who are going to one location, and that murderer comes and finds you in on Lover's Lane. You know. Well, and it sucks because it's one of those things that you think would naturally be something that teenage kids would want to do that we're like, ah, those kids. But mm-hmm. really, at the end of the day, it's very dangerous because they go to a place where they're not going to be caught. And right. there isn't much of a chance for them to find some sort of salvation should they come across trouble, which makes them very easy targets. Yeah. And what's interesting is, that, is that I, I I failed to mention this on in, in Orange Eyes is that one of the stories that is told uh, in is that it's two men that are at lovers at lovers lane oh yeah what one, one of them one of the tales is is two men and then the orange eyes comes out and scares them and scares them away i thought, so that, further, I thought it was interesting there's my redneck theory okay i'm back to your it. redneck fairy <laughs> <laughs> i said theory well, I, I, redneck I, fairy i was picturing i mean i've met those two girl like all walks all walks i was gonna go into it but i i don't have i don't even <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we get these stories about like Hookman and things like that. And then you have situations like um, I know before we started broadcasting, we brought up Texarkana. Um, Texarkana is the town that feared sundown because there was a man who was attacking Lover's Lane. So whether or not the stories are based in fact, they really do inspire 
people with nefarious intent and, and you know the psychopathic tendencies they gives it gives them something to fast like fantasize about that's the word mm-hmm. and well, i always have questions about towns like i know for example the texarkana moonlight murders they do that movie every year where they mm-hmm. the movie everyone goes they check it out whatever um i remember going to salem massachusetts a few years ago and we just happened to catch some sort of weird underground tour guide who was like you know you're basically idolizing and memorializing murder and making it a good thing and mm-hmm. that's essentially kind of what urban legends do. And in this case in particular, I mean, it was the basis of, I still know what you did last summer. It was the basis of Hookman. It was the basis of mm-hmm. so many, because it was essentially the scariest thing that could happen because it's something that we do to ourselves that we create for our own needs. Yeah. They're only looking for privacy. They're only looking for a moment. They're only looking for like a safe place. But in doing that, it immediately becomes dangerous. Now I want to know if this if the guy that did the uh, Texarkana murders goes back to those viewings because I mean, can we you imagine their conversation? Their uh, yeah, you and I talked about it. When we were planning on stuff for uh, you to do when you came to visit Texas, and it was like, mm-hmm. hey, let's go to Texarkana and go watch you know the town that feared sundown. Uh, but oh my God, what if he's there? What if he goes back to visit the crime scene? You know, because that's a very common thing that we see with serial killers. Does he go back to like relive the events? Like that's that is crazy. Well, there is no evidence of him taking any sort of trophies. There's no mm-hmm. evidence of having any sort of like revisitation. A lot of serial killers do have to have some sort of memorandum mm-hmm. of their crimes, and there's no viable ones. So realistically speaking, it's why possible. not? Yeah. And, and Texarkana, the reason it was so viable for murders at the time was because it was a big transient spot. It was on a railroad. Mm-hmm. It was right on the edge of the border. So people could hop jurisdictions. People were coming and going constantly. It's not outside the realm of possibility that it would be something that he could flee the scene from and then come back and kind of revisit his glory days in a way where we personally <laughs> as people had gone on to idolize and make it no, maybe not idolize but like sensationalized maybe sensationalize i think is a better word sensationalize it to something that we didn't we could separate ourselves from while still reliving those things i imagine mm-hmm. that for a killer that probably wouldn't make a big jump either i think so well did you have did you have anything else we wanted to add for hook man before we go into our our Nessie rating, I don't think so. I think that there's also some really cool variations for the Hookman. Um, I know in the UK, in that version, the boyfriend leaves the car and is actually decapitated, and the Hookman is sitting on the hood of the car, bouncing his head, and then just wiggling the car keys in his hand when the girlfriend gets out of the car. There's a lot of really creepy renditions of it's this. Very story. like Tower of London. Like they're like all it's about beheading British. people in England. It's oh, yeah. very dramatic, which I live for. They are the most in England. Mm-hmm. Yep, the for most. sure. There's also a Navajo version that involves skinwalkers that relates to the Hookman. There's like this is one of those universal horror stories that has transcended multiple cultures, multiple places, and it is inevitably horrifying just because it's actually something that happened and didn't happen just once, it happened multiple times. At any point in time, there's supposed to be at least 80 active serial killers in the United States, and most of them target lovers' lanes or highways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Anthony, we're never going to go make out on a high or on a highway. We're not going to make out on a highway either. No Come lovers' on, lanes for us. Day. <laughs> toddler can't leave the house. Texas gonna... actually has the biggest highway for serial killers. It's Thanks. like a thing. I used to travel by myself all the time. I travel all day right now. No hitchhikers. 
I just remember reading it in this. I have an encyclopedia of serial killers. And there's like a Highway 80 something or something where there's tons of mm-hmm. hikers. There's lots of truckers along it. And out of the 80 serial killers that are supposed to be active at any point in time in the United States, almost half of them are on that stretch. So I'm pretty sure I drive that one for work. So I'm just going to get myself a little something to keep in my van. So Guns for birthday, Texas, Texas. All right. Well, then what do you rate your... Right. Um, what do you rate the hook man on a scale of one to five golden Nessies? Are we talking from a cryptid perspective, an urban legend perspective, or mm, can't one? Just for like overall perspective. Just okay. Vague, one, one to five. It. Yeah, take um, it. <laughs> I would actually... <laughs> for the hook man i'm going to say i wouldn't either christy um she just says i am never stopping at a rest stop again and, like, <laughs> and she drives all through texas <laughs> um so i would say for the hook man for me personally as someone who loves urban legends serial killer stories whatever i'm gonna say a four i want to give it a five but i don't want to be ballsy because i don't know what else is coming yet tonight Purely because it is quintessential to mm-hmm. urban legends, horror stories, real life horror stories. The Hookman is literally legendary. Okay. I can see that. I'm, I'm going to play with our format just a little bit. Somebody, oh, I hid my face. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm hiding. I'm hiding. Oh. Um, we had someone requesting you gotta, that. We, you got to do like the, the, the lean, the Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, but this light is blinding on this side. Someone requested we put our names on here so that way they could see uh, exactly who was who. So I'm just going to go ahead and hide our overlay. That's fine. We can, y'all know why you're here. You know where we are. So um, so then I guess this is a quick, quick reintroduction for the folks who are just joining. My name is Kaylee. Anthony is my husband, and we are the co-hosts of 50 States of Terror. Lou and is Lou. Oh, go for it, girl. You gotta do it. I'm feeling it. Do it. Go um, for it. I got that Mary Macabre in me. I'm Lou. I am the host of Camp Dreadwood. I am Kaylee's sister. I also own the network of Housecraft and I host 50 States. No, you host 50 States. I <laughs> host <laughs> Housecraft, The Witching Hour, Camp Dreadwood, and a few others. She's like, I got this, girl. You thought. <laughs> Really, it's Valentine's Day. I'm feeling myself, honey. Right. I'm up here feeling my best love. I got lipstick on. I'm ready. I already wiped all mine off. It's okay. It's it is what it is. All right. I give I give Hookman. Um, honestly, I love Hookman. Did you um, say five out of five? Say five out of five. I'm gonna say five out of five. Yeah. So Orange Eyes got two, but because when we were we were discussing doing this, and um, so Lauren and I kind of bounce back and forth on each other's podcasts. Like I go and join over on the Witching Hour. Um, like I've helped out a little bit for her Camp Dreadwood and the, the, these were the three that I was like, cool, these are our lovers lane. Let's do these ones. And obviously I didn't want orange eyes. I made Anthony do that one. He chose to do it. And I was like, I really want to do hook man. And I was like, no, that's, that's Lauren's territory. That's Camp Dreadwood all the way. Um, we actually have an entire episode on Camp Dreadwood in regards to the lover lane killing. So if you finish this and you're like feeling hook man, Head on over to Camp Dreadwood because I have an mm-hmm. entire episode literally called The Lover's Lane Killing. Mm-hmm. And we go all into the Moonlight Murders. And we actually have her ticker at the very bottom with her at if you want to go check it out. So it is Dreadwood. So her character's name is Mary McCobb. We all call her Lou, though. <laughs> so, But you can definitely see that Mary come out when she's drinking because I've seen it. So, Anthony, what would you like to rate the hook man? 
Oh, easy. It's it's a uh, it's five out of five. I can't believe I went for four. Not to be dramatic, and both of you went because, for five. Because it's <laughs> it's absolutely it's absolutely terrifying. The real the real life like randomness that that could happen, and because it gives you that that creepy eerie feeling that you have no idea who what's going to happen in the next six seconds when you're alone and in trying to to you know be with your with your with your lover and then holy shit i'm dead <laughs> it's, holy it's, shit i'm dead everyone knows when they get to the end zone and then to have that interrupted no thank you i mean i don't know would that really be the worst way to go like euphoric euphoric yeah. euphoric and then dead i don't know i mean i guess there's there's worse there's like that 30 seconds in between there where i feel like the fuck all ruins all of it yeah. <laughs> like there's a, like it was literally like they'd roll down the window and then there was a gun pointed at their face i feel like immediately blue okay well you know i think that's a pretty fair point but um <laughs> So mine is the last one. And I'm going to plug in my computer real fast so that we don't lose everything. Um, so I have the final spooky creepy for the night. And I'm going to pull up my notes because mm -hmm. I'm organized today, you guys. I don't know if you know me in my real life, but today I'm organized. I'm so proud. Thank you. So I am going to be hair flipping. And... <laughs> I am going to be discussing the goat man. So the goat man is known in a few different states, but primarily I'm going to be focusing on Maryland. Now, Louisiana and Texas both have a claim to the story as well, but to be honest, their story is a lot grosser, more gross. And uh, so I'm going to go with Maryland here. So according to Wikipedia, because it was the easiest, most condensed version of what the goat man is, it says, according to legend, the Maryland goat man is an axe wielding half man, half animal creature there was once a scientist who worked in the Beltsville Agricultural Research Center. The tales, the tale holds that he was experimenting on goats and the experiment went awry and it began attacking cars with an axe and roaming the backwoods of Beltsville, Maryland. Oh, girl. Sounds Ooh, girl. like in real life. <laughs> he is a goat man. Now, what I love about goat man and I have his picture here. It's a little harder to click stuff and do all at the same time when you're the one talking at the stream. Okay, here is Goatman. He is one ugly SOB. So the Goatman in Maryland, as it said, was supposed to be a scientist. He was doing his duty, doing his research. He was doing all these things, except he started injecting human genomes into goats and then created this hybrid now what i love about this story is that it is so like quintessentially this mad scientist i love me a mad scientist story okay it's are hot i'll go for it. they they really really are so it's this whole mad scientist thing he was working on his experiment the experiment went wrong and now we have this crazy monster that is out for blood now how does this get to lover's lane so he is always in the woods. He's coming after groups in the middle of nowhere. He's specifically attacking couples. Now, my little nerdy self loves Greek mythology, and we've gone over it several times on some of our other podcasts, but the imagery of the goat man is very pan. It's very satyr. It's half goat. It's half man. And what did he do? 
he used to go and like fondle nymphs all the time, right? He was always chasing after all these, you know, beautiful, young, supple things. When he's going after the lovers, he's doing what the hook man did in some of those stories. He's removing the man from the car or he's taking the man away from the girl. But then he's going after the girl, not just in a, hey, I'm going to get you. It's like a trigger warning kind of assault. And these are the stories that are being told. So what I found most fascinating about this specific, very, very specific aspect of it is that the older people aren't coming up with the stories. We're coming up with these stories to get kids to stay away from places. These are the don't do that. You're going to get hurt. Don't do that. Somebody's going to come get you. Don't go to this road. Don't do this. Folklorists are actually theorizing that these were stories that were created by kids to draw attention to areas in order to get people to go to them. So it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, hey, did you hear out on this road there's supposed to be this horrible beast? We should go see if we can find it. Hey, do you want to get in my car? The only way that we're ever going to see the thing is if you and I go alone and starts making up these kind of stories, creating this narrative so that kids will go out and do the naughty things and be the naughty children. I think it's interesting. It seems like the goat man is like the go between between the incredibly far side of like the cryptid side of things mm-hmm. and then like the difference between the two is the really dark part that is drawn from Hookman legends. Yes. You, like the difference really is kind of what they do to the woman. And that's what actually happens in real life, but they give it a cryptid element so that they can mm-hmm. remove themselves from the reality of the fact that that's a possibility. Yes. So it, it just takes like these, these horrible things we hear from our parents. And then it's almost, I don't want to say it's like us owning it, but it's like, oh, well, our parents tell us these stories. So like we can make up these stories too. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you can make up a lie. I can make up a lie too. And now these kids are flocking to these areas. They're getting a case of beer, throwing it in the trunk, and they're going out and having these parties. Now, where Goatman evolves is that the majority of the stories also really closely resemble skinwalkers. And they resemble Wendigos. Now, I have avoided doing either one of those or bringing those up as topics on 50 States of Terror. Because before we do Skinwalkers and before we do Wendigos, Anthony and I have already kind of discussed, we want to have someone who is Native American join us for that episode. Or at least have input on the episode. Because there's definitely a lot of washing over what the actual stories are, what the actual traditions are. So I won't won't touch on it too much. But... One of the big features that I see in a lot of these stories is that the goat man can mimic voices. So if he drags the boy away, boy's like, oh, I got to go take a leak. Like, I'll be right back. And then you're like, hey, babe, babe, hey, come over here. You hear those kind of stories where then she's like, oh, well, he was calling me. So I went after him and, you know, oh, he said he said my name like he you know, told me to go to the car or whatever it is. And when she gets there, it is a half goat half man monstrosity and then i said the texas stories was a little grosser uh, a little more gross not really sure on the grammatical there you guys know what i'm saying um there was a version of the story where a man was um really friendly with his livestock oh whole, whole different type of trigger warning um i was not ready for that one i didn't girl. need the trigger warning but also dang <laughs> yes and so he had a uh, little little goat babies and when everybody found out they went and they killed him and they killed all of his offspring 
And now a couple of them remains and have been forever hiding in the woods, attacking people as they're going out in groups or on lovers' lanes. So if we needed more of a reason to not leave the house in the middle of a panini, this is it. In the middle of a panini. Derek makes a really good point. He says it's like the antithesis of the urban legend fairy tale. Instead of teaching a moral or warning about life, it gets an action to be done. Mm -hmm. So that would, I mean, it would make sense as the go between, between what we would consider a legend versus folklore versus real life happenings. It Mm -hmm. is a call to action, which is, I guess the first step in any sort of like journey is that call to adventure, call to action. So if you're coming into a story, that would be, I just want our call to adventures to not be dead. Go ahead, Anthony. Yeah. No, no, no. And and all of our and and all of our um, cryptids that we've done, there's almost always been a group of people who went and tried to hunt, or find, or gather information on on in, on all of these things. So, like you're right, you know, it it calls it calls an action instead of just staying away. It it does have that that small little intrigue of can it be real? is it what it is is it scary uh or people who really have like that twisted thing to where i want to i want to see it it's from my, my very own eyes and and the, the thrill of of perhaps getting to that brink of death is for some people what drives them to go try to find these things or drives them to try to like egg on the story and continue and making it like worse, you mm-hmm. know. So yeah, you can blow things with stories and legends and folklore. You can make things bigger. <laughs> you can make things more dramatic to draw your attention to a point and sure. sort of call for sure. And then you do see, like, you see these um these different stories that start to come to light where there are so many versions of the Goat Man. There's oh, yeah. the Popelik monster. There's the Sheep Man. There's like all of these different things. And you start pulling from other stories and you're like, oh, well, th- I heard this over here. So it must be true. I heard this over here and that must be true. And that children is what we call confirmation bias. When you're looking for and stories. Telling these stories that kind yes. of sound like those stories that are true. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, well, this proves my point and this proves my point. Not necessarily, but it is, it is <clears throat> interesting to pull all those different stories together. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Seeing but all I'll... three of these in a line, you can kind mm-hmm. of see where they took it from like a moral storyline or a moral compass mm-hmm. to reality to the fantastical and like how they used all three of those to kind of teach a lesson to the people. Like, and that's what folklore really is in general and urban legends is it draws attention to a moral or a story that you're trying to make a point about. And it's, they all seem to kind of point to the same direction. Mm hmm. Maria says, isn't the question, do you really want to find out? I'm all about fuck around to find out, I'm going to say. <laughs> it was the fuck around of times. It was the find out of times. <laughs> That's my I'm motto. I'm going to hunt for Sasquatch. That is it. <laughs> I'm Anthony's like, prayer that. hands I and see every picture. Anthony's going to send me a picture of a stick. If you find a stick that you think Sasquatch touched, just send it to me and I'm going to tell you. I'll hype you up. I'll be there. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> we actually we have a we have a Sasquatch uh, Yeti Bigfoot uh, within like sixty miles of here, 
It's mm-hmm. got its whole area, and Anthony was supposed to go hunting for Bigfoot I've been recently. researching that one in particular, actually, because oh, the current upcoming season of Camp Dreadwood, mm-hmm. I have all of everything already kind of written and laid out, and we go into the uh, Dietlov Pass. Oh. And there's a lot in that that relates to UFOs and also relates to a Yeti story. And oh, then the so I started digging into Yeti and Sasquatch in general, and the mm-hmm. two main places that I found evidence for that tends to be in the Massachusetts Bridgewater Triangle area and then Texas and the Smoky Mountains. I'm mm-hmm. not a <laughs> expert, so I don't know, but those are the three that came up hot for me when I was looking. I if just you... know that the Russian uh, the Russian one is called a mink. That's all I know about about oh. that specific one because I know we, we were talking a little bit about some stuff earlier. I'm like, have you heard of? And she goes, oh my gosh, I'm already on oh it. God, I'm, already pregnant. <laughs> She's, I'm like, you know this random obscure disaster that I'm talking to? This is why we're sisters. Like, oh my goodness. If you, ever wanna, if you ever want to get into like the the actual um, the anthropologist like avenue, the scientific avenue of of uh, a Sasquatch, read Dr. Grover Kronz. He is. Okay. He was one of the the, the leading the leading um, scientists who uh, was a, a renowned anthropologist who then w- devoted his life into proving the existence of Sasquatch, and went into went into uh, like uh, gene manipulation. He went into gene mutations. He went into uh, fourth dimensional uh, existence. He went into um, the possibility of like uh, extraterrestrial. He went he went straight scientific to it. It's not some like whack job just writing a book. This is a this is no, like that's what sci- I want to know. I feel like if there was Sasquatch and stuff, the idea like not it well not if but like right. if you were going to be looking into it, I don't feel like so. I've always been a very firm believer in UFOs and aliens. I'm not worshiping at the base of their altar, but I utterly believe that they exist. And I do believe that. <laughs> I just pictured you on like Independence Day. The I know. On top like, of the building. Send, like, send me up. I mean, there was a moment in my life. However, <laughs> but uh, if you take into consideration things like not even just Sasquatch, but even Nessie, uh, major cryptids, like all, none of that is really beyond the realm of things. Like once you start to consider one, is it really mm-hmm. too hard to jump to the other? Yeah. Before we go too far, I want to make sure because Julie had some uh, some cool comments over here. Julie yeah, says that she has a neighbor who's adamant about some things not being discussed around her. It's an urban legend fear thing. She's the first person I've ever met who would be terrified by this conversation and info. Now, I think it's really interesting because it's not something that's super common today where it's like, oh, nope, you can't say that around me. Right. I remember it a little bit growing up in the Bible Belt. Like we, of course, we wanted to play like Bloody Mary and stuff at sleepovers. Um, and it's like, you don't get to say it in my house. And like, you're going to bring the devil in our house. No, ma'am. And it was that kind of thing. But when we go into some of these older stories, um, especially with things like uh, my research on Goatman and then touching into Skinwalkers and Wendigos, you don't say their names. You don't give them power. And we see that quite a bit with our older stories. But I think it's interesting that that's still very much a Voldemort situation. Like, you don't say the name. Its name gives its power. Mm -hmm. And Julie says that Bloody Mary is a specific thing for her, uh, for the woman that she's referring to. I don't even... Like, so here is the part of me that, like, is going to leave Camp Dreadwood and go from a different perspective for a moment. Mm -hmm. With things like that, I truly just from things I've seen with other presentations, other writers, 
I truly believe that if you have a perspective and you believe in something strongly enough, that thing will become viable for you. Just like people who I'm trying to think of a really good example um, of an urban legend that is more true than not because people believe in it so strongly. Um, is this shit, like when, remember. is this like the number 23 kind of stuff? Like the more you see it, the more yeah. you manifest okay, it. It's, yes, like, yes, right. it's exactly that. Apophenia. Okay. Like, <laughs> because I was like, I know I'm on the edge of it. I just can't remember what it's called. I'm on a precipice. That, like if you invest enough of your time and energy and thoughts into something, it becomes more real. It's something that you do see more of. It becomes manifest. It's not even like, it doesn't even have to be real. It becomes real to you in your mind because you believe so strongly in it at the time. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a it's definitely a self fulfilled prophecy when when you just you if if you just think about it, you will find ways to to link it to what you're thinking about. Exactly. You know, yeah. So that's one of my favorite words, and I use it way too often. But apophenia is the um, is the phenomenon that happens where you're looking for something so you're creating those patterns and that can be everything from like i saw a cardinal to you know i had the association that cardinals are when you lose a loved one and you see them and mm-hmm. oh well now we see cardinals every day you're yeah. like seeing the pattern and you're seeing it there and like i mentioned with right. number 23 like oh well now i'm seeing okay well two plus three is five and this was five so the number 23 is there it's like okay right. whoa calm down jim carrey i'm glad you always say it because i can never remember what like, you know, I, I almost always have to Google it to make sure, but it's just so much fun to say. I'm like, apophenia. Apophenia. I'm apophenia. But you yeah, know. it's exactly like that. And you see that manifest with stories like this, too. It starts as like an urban legend that's supposed to encourage chastity. Mm-hmm. It starts as this. And then serial killers start acting on it. You start seeing urban legends develop out of it. You start seeing crimes revolve around these same areas, regardless of whether they're large transport spots that have a higher increased levels of crime regardless sure. of like what their real life applicable story is at that time because you're looking for something it's very easy to see that it's there mm-hmm. and that's like the birth of a lot of legends well i'm gonna give goat man five stars five golden nessies only because he's so much like hook man <laughs> he was a lot like hook man <laughs> <laughs> i mean they kind of all are because they're all kind of the same idea yeah, it's it's very it's very and like it's not a man hating thing. So like I hope like I know that we've got a at least at least one man because Derek's here and Anthony is obviously here. Um, like it's not a man hating thing, but I men hate are myself. The... <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> I have to hold him while he cries at night as he just you know like just wallows in his self hate. Um, He's crying, begging Sasquatch to come save him. <laughs> there, you know, in in all three of our stories, it is a male aggressor. It is targeting with the intent of either like severely judging or harming or assaulting the female in the situation by eliminating the man in the situation, well, with the exception of Anthony's, who had two men and. You know, I'm not sure where that would have gone, but yeah, it's 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 eerie to see some of the parallels and, and similarities between these different ones from such different areas in the U.S. and how they have evolved into what they are today. Well, and I want to thank you. Yeah, they have. <laughs> well, I want to thank you guys for being my Valentine tonight. I wouldn't be anywhere else. Literally. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Tulpa. Derek says Tulpa. A creature made manifest because you or several people believe in it so much. Is that the word That's you were... an episode of Buffy. I gotta look this up. I'm... 
kind of like slender Vinny says so like we are like 100 creepy pasta all the way today yes so actually that is totally a, a such so creepy pasta happened in our lifetime that became mm-hmm. famous while we were still in high school like yep. all of us are roughly the same age it was not a re- it was not an old urban legend so i mean i am considerably younger than both of you real. shut up kaylee so there's like <laughs> shut up Kaylee anyways so there are like but they're like like Slenderman is a very good example it did become a very manifest thing not only is Slenderman like a legend that was created basically off two pictures that got famous now there are children who don't know that it was never real there's lore lady dating back to his daughter his all right you're gonna send me on a rampage either way <laughs> well we like- want to say goodbye to Patricia Patricia's about to hop off she said she's had a great time Thanks, uh Julie yeah. says that she saw me flip you off um and um yeah that's a maybe this you is a good maybe this is a good rounding out so um <laughs> we are the housecraft network here yes. so we're gonna do kind of like a final goodbye um, we want to thank Lou for joining us. She's coming from Camp Dreadwood and the Witching Hour on the Housecraft Network. Thanks. And then Anthony and I are the co-host for 50 States of Terror. So if you're seeing this on one of our streams, go ahead, pop in the comments. Tell us where you're seeing them. We can see the comments, but we don't know where you're watching. So just let yeah. us know. Are you seeing us on Housecraft? Are you seeing us on Dreadwood? Are you seeing us on 50 States of Terror? Are you on our Patreon? Are you on our Facebook? Um, and if you're not on those things, go find the other things. Like, go check those out, too. And that way you can see future lives, future streams, future episodes as they're coming out. Let us love you. Let us love you. Let me love you, please. <laughs> that's how Anthony, act- that's how he asked me out. That was, it was a very aggressive, very intense. Uh, Maria says she's watching from Housecraft. Derek says we're awesome. Christy says she's watching from outside our window. Oh, <laughs> Patricia says yeah, she's okay. currently on Facebook, but she'll be finding the others. And on the Housecraft page, we pretty regularly post our all of our podcasts there. So if you ever see something pop up with Cryptid, it's probably Anthony and I. If you see something with a serial killer, it's probably Camp Dreadwood. So you can make a couple little clicks and end up on the other pages. So, Lou, did you have anything you wanted to add before we were all finished up? Um, I the only thing I have to add, if you haven't checked out Camp Dreadwood yet, our new season is starting May 27th. So now is the time to get caught up. It's all sorts of unsolved, unsolved mysteries, true crime, creepy backstories. But yeah, otherwise, I super appreciate everyone's time. Thanks for joining in. Thanks for having me. Of course. Absolutely. Is there anything you'd like to add? Sasquatch is real. Oh, God. Obviously. But Nessie, I have like a stronger belief in Nessie than I have in Sasquatch. And I don't know how to emphasize that enough. I can't I can't with either one of you. I can't. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for listening. You can always catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh hit us up. Uh and thank you all for listening. We always appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. So just of just uh, listening to two people talk about cryptids and make a couple of dick jokes. A couple big dick jokes. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say it, but you said it. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone, so much. We are going to go live again, oh. I hope, pretty soon. This was this was fun. I enjoyed this. I had a yeah, this is, this is so fantastic. This is, this I is really fun. I give us five This is a good nesties. way to spend Valentine's Day. Yes, I may be married, you. but really, if I can spend the entire time on the computer talking about Sasquatch and murder. 
you know a girl can dream i do <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you everyone xoxo kisses and cryptids